0: Well, at this time, the children up through fifth grade may be dismissed for junior church. While they're making their way back, I want to remind you, if you're a parent, that your children are welcome in the service during the sermon time. We keep them in once they're in sixth grade, and they pay perfect attention, right? Uh, But children are welcome in the service uh, all throughout. Well, I want to start the message this morning with a question, How many of you grew up praying the Lord's Prayer? Lord's Prayer. All right, more than half of the room. The Lord's Prayer is a famous prayer that Jesus instructs his disciples and followers to pray, and it's been prayed billions of times. There are a few lines in it that seem quite innocent until you think about it a little bit more. In fact, some of them sound pretty shocking. One of them is this in Matthew 6, 10 Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want us to use our imaginations for a moment and start out with something a little bit provocative. Imagine uh, Brad Little, the governor of Idaho. I just randomly picked a governor this week. Having a press conference tomorrow, use your imagination. Imagine him saying that my hope is that the kingdom of Jesus would come and the will of Jesus be done in Idaho as it is in heaven. How would that play out in the news? That would be scandalous. I think it would be wonderful and appropriate for that prayer to be prayed. But before we understand that, we need to understand what Jesus' kingdom is. And on Good Friday, Jesus gives Pilate, a Roman governor, a lesson on kingdoms. So, will you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John and chapter 18? John 18. Today, we'll be looking at verses 33 through 40, and it's also reprinted on the back of the bulletin if you need it. First, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to read our text, and then we'll see what the Lord has in store for us. John 18, 33 through 40. Let's go to the Lord in prayer first. Heavenly Father, thank you that your Son, Jesus, has been crowned King. You have established his throne. The nations and world is his footstool. He has been raised from the dead and is seated at your right hand, and you have given all authority on earth to him. Lord, we admit we don't know what that looks like exactly. We have our hopes and our fears about it. So, Lord, give us eyes to see how Jesus is king. Give us hearts to hear and love what Jesus' kingdom is. And help us know what we mean when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, during this message, now as we come before your word, may your kingdom come and your will be done here and now as it is in heaven. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. John chapter 18, verses 33 through 40. This is the word of our king. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, That I may not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from this world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. (laughs) Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? One of the most powerful men in the world at the time, King Caesar, had governors all throughout the region, and Pilate was pretty powerful in and of his own right in his little area of the world. And they have this conversation, Jesus and Pilate, especially these lines. I mean, think about a conversation. Are you the king of the Jews? My kingdom is not of this world. What is truth? I mean, those are huge statements. So we need to step back for a moment and ask, how did we get here, where Jesus and Pilate are having a discussion like that? Well, taking our uh, cue from last week, almost everyone wants to get rid of Jesus, right? Last week, we saw that the Jewish leaders take Jesus to Pilate, and Pilate basically says to the Jewish leaders, what did he do wrong? And the Jewish leaders say, something. (laughs) He did something, or else we wouldn't have brought him to you. And Pilate can't put him to death. Just for that reason. And so Pilate says, You know, you guys have to deal with your own religious disputes. And they say, But there's a problem because we want to kill him and we're not allowed to kill him because that's Roman law. You guys are the only ones who are allowed to kill him. They want Jesus gone. And now Pilate decides, I need more information. I have to talk to Jesus more because I want this problem resolved so I can go get a snack. I mean, that's really what he's worried about. He wants to get on with his day and get this Jesus guy out of the picture so Passover week gets through without a problem. Now, Pilate still doesn't know what to do with Jesus because he doesn't know who Jesus is. Pilate does not know who he's talking to. Pilate is talking to the king, King Jesus. And King Jesus has a kingdom that's bigger and more powerful and greater than Pilate's kingdom. And so in their discussion, we're going to see four themes pop up where we can see what's really going on as Jesus enters his final day on which he would die crucified later. The four themes are the king, the kingdom, the truth, and the robber. The king, the kingdom, the truth, and the robber. Those are the four themes we'll see. First is the king, the king. And the king is Jesus. Who is the king? The king is Jesus. Look at verse 33. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? All right, stop there for a minute. That's the question. If Pilate can get Jesus to say, yes, I'm the king, then Pilate can say, well, Caesar's king, and so you're a threat to King Caesar. We have to get rid of you, or else if King Caesar finds out that you're the king and I let you go, then I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. And so getting Jesus to admit he's a a competing king against King Caesar, then that was a quick way to solve the problem. So Pilate says, are you the king? In verse 34, Jesus basically says, is that what you think? Like, do you think I'm the king? Do you think I'm trying to establish my throne here? Or are people feeding you that about me? And then in verse 35, Pilate redirects the conversation. He basically says, I'm not a Jew. I I don't really care what you guys are doing in your own religion. Uh, Your people want you dead, though. What did you do that your own people want you dead? And then Jesus makes a big admission in verse 36. He says, my kingdom. Stop there. If you have a kingdom, that means you're a king. So Jesus is admitting he's a king. In fact, the Jewish people of the day knew that anyone who claimed to be the Messiah was claiming to be the future rightful king in the line of David. And so Jesus has associated himself with the claims of the Messiah all throughout his ministry. He's made the claim to the kingship. And he says here, I have a kingdom. So now, verse 37 Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? And Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. All right, so Jesus is king. He says, I was born for this. I was born to bear witness to the truth. So Jesus is the king of truth. And as Jesus comes into your world— As you trust Jesus, as you follow Jesus, as you read the Bible and learn more about the kingdom of Jesus, one of the biggest things that happens to you and me in our minds and in our hearts is that lies get moved out of the way and the truth is established in our hearts and minds. We stop believing the lies that we're the most important people in the world. We stop believing the lies that money and power and pleasure are the most important things. We stop believing the lies that you need to slaughter your enemies. Jesus' truth is that we need to die for our enemies and love our enemies and forgive our enemies. As we follow Jesus, the truth finds a home in our hearts and in our minds. And Jesus is saying, I'm the king of truth and my truth is going to break in. And Pilate, your little kingdom, you don't have the truth. I'm bringing the truth. And so Jesus says he's the king of truth. He has come to fix this broken world. Jesus has come to stop the lies to end the violence, to bring justice, to heal wounds, to give sight to the blind, to bring the dead back to life. Because we and our sins have broken this world. In the Garden of Eden, there was only truth. There were no lies and there was one rule. And the serpent came along and tricked our first parents into believing the first lie. Did God really say... The first lie was, are you really going to trust all of what God says? Why don't you choose your own truth and put this thing down? And so the sinfulness that broke the entire world was the result of our first parents, Adam and Eve, saying, I will choose my truth over God's truth. And now we have death and suffering and disease and destruction and pain and rejection and rebellion and harm and death because we chose our own truth. Jesus was going to die to bring his truth so that we might be set free. That's what he's doing. This is revolutionary. Our parents loved that first lie. Our first parents, they believed it. And in the Gospel of John, in the first 17 chapters, you see the world is dark. The world is broken. The world is hungry. The world is lonely. And nothing has changed in 2022. There's still so much brokenness in the world, so much darkness in the world, so much confusion in the world, so many lies Well, maybe the Internet is our solution. Maybe now that we have access to the whole world, we'll see that the rest of the world is a beautiful place and we're the only place that's messed up. That's not what we found. We didn't find that the world was full of all these beautiful, wondrous things. Sure, there's some beauty. There's some wonder. The Internet has exposed our eyes to that. But the Internet let us know that the brokenness of sin is in every tribe, nation, and tongue on every continent. This world is broken because we as a people chose our truth instead of God's freedom-giving, loving truth. So the king of truth has plans. He's the king. He's the king of truth, but he's not going to bring his kingdom the way Caesar and Pilate bring their kingdom into this world. Which brings us to point number two. First, the king is Jesus. Point number two, the kingdom. The kingdom is coming. The kingdom is coming. Look at verse 36. Jesus answered, "'My kingdom is not of this world. "'If my kingdom were of this world, "'my servants would have been fighting "'that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, "'but my kingdom is not from this world.'" What is Jesus saying? He's saying, I am the king. I have a kingdom. My kingdom is coming. But it's not like yours, Pilate. I know you think, Pilate, that the Roman Empire is this big, glorious, amazing, powerful thing. And the Roman Empire was growing and expanding and dominating all of their enemies and offering peace to everyone who submits to their leadership through the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. As long as you worship Caesar as God, they're Soldiers will guard you and defend you and protect you and provide for you. Rome was God for the Roman Empire, or at least they thought they were. But they acquired that kingdom through the sword and through assassination, through military takeover. And Jesus is saying, my kingdom is not like that. If it was, we'd have our weapons and we'd be storming the castle. But that is not how my kingdom is coming. He says it is not Of this world, and then he says at the end of verse 36, My kingdom is not from this world. What does he mean? It means his kingdom doesn't originate here, his kingdom doesn't establish power like kingdoms of the earth do. Uh, Back then, how did you become king? There were really only two ways to become king back then. If you wanted to be a king, you had to be the son of the king and then grow up one day to take his throne, to inherit the throne. Or the other way would be to assassinate the king and take the throne from him. So the Roman Empire took over the previous empire, took over the previous empire. Jesus says, I am going to be king, but not that way. I'm not going to need a sword of metal, but he is bringing his sword of truth. And the truth is going to establish him as the true king. My kingdom is coming, but it's not from this world. Stop there for a moment. Notice what Jesus is not saying, and this is really important. For Christians, when we think about Jesus' kingdom, we think, well, Jesus' kingdom, it's it's up there, it's over there, it's in my heart, but, but what is the relationship of the kingdom of Jesus with the kingdom of Pilate or the kingdom of America or the kingdom of the countries of our world today? Jesus is not saying any of the following things. My kingdom doesn't care about this world He's not saying my kingdom isn't going to affect this world. He's not saying my kingdom has no claim on the citizens of this world. He's not saying my kingdom can coexist peacefully with this world. He's not saying my kingdom will stay over there and your kingdom, Pilate, can stay over there. No, none of that. That's not how it works for actual kingdoms and it's not how it works for individual hearts. Going back to the Lord's Prayer now. Jesus taught us to pray this. Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that absolutely meant in Jesus' day, your kingdom come, your will be done in Rome as it is in heaven. And that absolutely means your kingdom come, your will be done in Pennsylvania as As it is in heaven. And that absolutely means your kingdom come, your will be done in the local public schools as it is in heaven. And it absolutely means your will be done, your kingdom come in every square inch of your heart and life. When we pray that, we are asking Jesus to push out all the lies from everywhere, to set everyone free. From temptation, from addiction, from slavery to sin, to make blind people see again, to make dead people born again, to give lost people someone who finds them and sets them free. And here's what it means for you and me when we pray this prayer. Jesus says to Pilate, "My kingdom's not coming in that way with the sword." Jesus does not come into your home on the day you're going to be saved, and kill you with a sword and then say, now I'm bringing you back to life, you're born again. But he does kill our old self and he wants allegiance from every area of our heart. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. That's the prayer of a Christian. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my wallet as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done with my vote as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done with my schedule, Lord, as it is in heaven. And maybe the hardest one now. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done with my phone as it is in heaven. Lord, all of my phone, all of that power, all of that technology, all of this for your glory and your glory alone, Lord, take my phone use it for your kingdom, not my kingdom. Maybe that is one of the hardest ways for Jesus to break into our lives. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my neighborhood, in my career, with my relationships, as it is in heaven. This is scandalous. This is more than a political invasion. Like if Canada was invading the United States, that probably wouldn't go so well for them. But Jesus intends to come into hearts and move everything out of the way that's a lie and a sin, so that our whole allegiance is to him, so that we might be set free. Why does Jesus do this? Why is his kingdom like that and not like, well, I'm just going to come in and set myself up as king in Washington, D.C., and just do it that way? Why? Because his kingdom is a kingdom of love. Jesus loves the whole world and he loves you too much to let you suffer by keeping parts of your life from him which will enslave you. He wants to set you and me free. He does. So here's a question for our hearts this morning. When Jesus says to Pilate, I'm a king and I have a kingdom, but it's not coming by power of the sword. It's coming in a much more powerful way. Here's a question. Do you want God's will to be done in your life in every square inch. Every square inch. Your wallet, your vote, your schedule, your phone, your neighborhood, your free time, your career, your relationships, your life. When you think no one else is watching, Or is there something you're holding back? Is there something where you just love the pleasure of it too much? You will not give that to Jesus. If he said, mine, you would say, no thanks. Is there something in your life? If so, that has your heart. That has your allegiance. That is your king. You will do other things in life to make sure you have time with your king. And Jesus knows those kings will lead to your destruction. They will not set you free. And Jesus came to set you free. How much of the kingdom of Jesus is coming in your heart, your world, and your mind? Give him all of it. And when you do that, as we do that, maybe it's one new area. Maybe it's my calendar this week, Lord. My calendar is yours. And then you will see him start to set you free. So you're not commanded and ruled by your calendar. You're ruled by Jesus and you're set free from your calendar. He loves us. So his kingdom is coming. But what about our neighbors who don't follow Jesus Well, Jesus either loves them so much that he died so that they could be set free or Jesus doesn't care about them and has no interest in his kingdom coming into their lives. And do you think he loves them or not? Jesus loves our neighbors so much that he doesn't want them to suffer forever under the false gods that rule our country, our land right now. I think about Pilate and Rome at the time. Here's Pilate, all the power he thinks in the world, Come on in, Jesus, or I will interrogate you. And then at the end of that little dialogue, he says, well, what is truth? What do you think you have truth? Well, look at me. I've got all the power here, don't I? Well, Jesus walked into the Roman Empire and let himself be crucified on a Roman cross. He got the Roman death penalty so that Romans could be saved so that Romans could be set free from their sins, so that Romans could be set free from the lies and false gods. And what happened? Jesus went through. He went to the cross. He died. He was buried. He rose again on the third day. And now the kingdom of Jesus did not just come to the Roman Empire, but the kingdom of Jesus has come to all the world. And where's the Roman Empire? in the history books. You can read about it, but it's not an empire anymore. But where's the kingdom of Jesus? His truth has set people free all over the world. He died to make it happen. He loves our neighbors too much to not send us to them with the truth and with his love so that they might be set free as well. And he won't sit back to watch our neighbors suffer forever. He won't. Under the false gods that rule our country, The gods of money, the gods of pleasure, the gods of power, and this new religion with the relentless God of expressive individualism that's destroying everything and everyone in its path, especially children and teenagers, completely harmed by that lie that you choose your own truth. Jesus wants to set our neighbors free from the God of your truth because that God destroys. Jesus came to bring truth into a world of lies, and he died to save them. So we find out that in the dialogue with Pilate and even in the world today and even in our hearts and homes, we can have our truth or we can have the truth. The kingdom of Jesus is coming because he loves this world, but he's not going to bring it with a sword on a war horse because that's what the kings of this world do? How is the kingdom of Jesus? When we pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, in Pennsylvania as it is in heaven, what do we mean? Which brings us to our third point. So point one, the king is Jesus. Point two, the kingdom is coming. Point three, the truth is a person. The truth is a person. What is truth? Look at verse 37. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, What is truth? Isn't that the line of the day in our culture? What is truth? Jesus says there is truth. He's a witness to it. He came to set people free. And his people, his family, are going to be truth people. And so Jesus says people can have their truth or the truth. And Pilate throws out that line, what is truth? Pilate doesn't really care about the truth. He cares about his job, like I said before. He wants to get through Passover week without Caesar finding out that some fraudulent king has set up shop in his kingdom uh, posing a threat to King Caesar. Because if that happened, then King Caesar would have called Pilate and said, hey, come on over for a brief meeting. When That would have been the final meeting in Pilate's life. Pilate wanted to get through Passover week without an insurrection. Little did Pilate know that he would become the bumper sticker for today's postmodernism. Pilate, if he had a chariot, could have had bumper stickers like this. Be true to yourself. No one has the right to tell you what's right or wrong. Choose your truth. Always let your heart be your guide. And yet that way leads to death. It destroys everyone who follows it. It shrinks an individual's world to our own little kingdom. And we cast out and exile everyone who does not affirm all of our own truth. And the problem is when we choose our own truth because we're sinners, we change what we believe about our own truth. And we bring confusion and self-harm into our own lives. That world, I'm going to choose my own truth, has no interest in growing or sacrificing for others. Pilate would have made a popular college professor, and his students wouldn't have learned a thing. Jesus says there is truth, and he is witness to it, and his people are truth people, which means for us, it has to start in our own hearts. We've got to ask God to examine our hearts to see if there's any way in us that is sinful, to see if we're believing any lies. And as the truth takes root in our heart and our minds, our neighbors and friends and family members will see it. And because they don't have that truth, that unchanging, life-giving, sacrificing for others truth, they're going to want that truth. And we ask God to open their hearts that they might ask about, where do I get truth like that? But we have to stop trusting our own hearts. And we need to open our Bibles and love Jesus and listen to Jesus. As Christians, we give up the claim to be our own God and to choose our own truth. We give up the right to do that. And then Jesus sets us free. Say amen if you know a time in your life when you believed a lie and then Jesus set you free from that lie. Amen. Oh, I've got so many. Sometimes when I think of some of the lies I believed in college that I was set free from, I tear up every time I think about it. I was living the lie of the culture. Pleasure is more important than integrity and everything else I gave into that lie and it destroyed me. But Jesus set me free. His truth sets people free. So how can we partner with Jesus as his kingdom comes into our region, into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces, into our families? Well, we need to stand for the king of truth. We need to stand up for the king of truth. The kingdom of Jesus comes as truth breaks through lies in politics, in education, in healthcare, in neighborhoods, as people are set free from lies. Jesus is the truth, and our friends and neighbors need the truth. It will set them free. And here's the real thing about this. Jesus intends to set people free, not because he wants to conquer them and take over. It's because he loves them so much that instead of bringing a sword to take over Rome, he let the sword of Rome destroy him. He died in the place of sinners so that sinners could be set free. So the king, number one, is Jesus. The kingdom is coming. The truth is a person. And the final point is the robber. The robber is us. The robber is us. Look at verses 39 and 40. So Pilate goes back out to speak to the Jewish crowds who brought Jesus in. These were the leaders of the Jews at the time, and they wanted Jesus killed, and they couldn't do it under Roman law, so they wanted Pilate to represent Roman law and execute Jesus, which was going to happen later that day. Verse 39, he says to the people, "'You have a custom that I should release one man for you at Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews?' That was the nickname for Jesus, right, in this trial. They cried out again. Not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. All right, stop there. Robber is too soft of a word. It is the word, but it, probably like some words we use, it has more than one meaning. Over in Luke's gospel, we're told about Barabbas. This is Luke 23, 19. Uh, it says, a man who had been thrown into prison For an insurrection started in the city and for murder. Okay, so he was part of a band of bandits who went into a city to try and take the city over with a sword, leading an insurrection, and some people died, so they committed murder. Robber is a soft word, it's an insurrectionist murderer. Barabbas was an insurrectionist murderer. He wasn't up for a misdemeanor, he was also up for the death penalty that day. It was going to be Jesus or Barabbas who died and the other man would be set free. So here we see the tradition of the Romans appeasing the Jews on Passover one of their holy weeks and saying we'll let one of your criminals go and yet Barabbas deserved to die for two reasons. First he was a sinner and the wages of sin is death and particularly for the sin of insurrection and murder but Rome was going to crucify him for those two capital crimes murder and revolutionary actions So he was a sinner whose wages of sin cost him death, but he was also a capital criminal in Rome. He deserved death for two reasons. And on the other hand, Jesus wasn't. He didn't murder anyone. Not only did he not murder anyone, he unmurdered some people. He brought people back from the dead. He didn't bring a gang of soldiers prepared to fight. He was alone and he was innocent and given a choice between a murderous insurrectionist and a peace-preaching, donkey-riding, miracle worker, they picked Barabbas. Barabbas was saved, and Jesus died in his place because we're the robber too. We were the sinners who needed a Savior too. We needed someone to die in our place. Here we see the gospel at its heart. Barabbas, an insurrectionist murderer, is set free, though he deserved to die. And Jesus is crucified, though he deserved to live. It's the great exchange, one life for another. And that is why we call it Good Friday. That's why we call it Good Friday. Death for Jesus, life for us. And what John makes clear all through his gospel, but particularly here, is that one of the most important things Jesus came to do was to get these lies, these soul and community-destroying lies, out of the way so that we might be set free from our sins. Jesus came to bring truth. And John makes it clear that the world said, we're going to choose our truth, not your truth. And so we find that the Roman Empire chose their truth over the truth. And the offer to our world is the same today. Our neighbors and friends and our states and our nation and our world can have their truth or the truth. Their truth leads to destruction and confusion and harm and depression and separation and brokenness and pain and suffering. But Jesus died so that his truth could set people free. So, when we pray, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we want the truth of Jesus Christ to cover every square inch of this world because Jesus loves this world and we are His people. So, if you trust Jesus as King, you will be set free from our shrinking kingdom of one. You will love his word. You will trust his truth. And then you will go wherever you are sent in this world. And you will represent his truth. Even when the world is believing all these powerful lies. Not because you want power and influence, but because you know what it's like to have believed a lie and to have been set free from that lie love of neighbor compels us to bring the truth of Jesus into this world. He didn't assassinate Pilate with a sword. Jesus, in that interrogation, could have spoken a word and Pilate would have died. No, he let the Romans execute him on a hill far away, on an old rugged cross, so that a murderous insurrectionist could be spared, and so that sinners like us could be saved, so that you and I and our friends and neighbors could be set free. So that's what we're praying for when we pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus died so that his truth could set everyone free from these lies that destroy. May God help us. Represent his truth in this world no matter how hard it is because Jesus loves the world so much that he died to set them free. Let's pray. Lord, this is revolutionary. It's almost scary to think about. You've sent us into this world representing the king of truth, a king so much greater than governors and senators and presidents and emperors and even the roman empire lord thank you that king jesus prevails over all earthly kingdoms and lord give us compassion for our friends and neighbors and co-workers and strangers in our country who are lost and who are blind and who are confused and who are enslaved to their sins give us your love for them and open up doors that we might show them and talk to them about the King of truth who sets people free. Help us know how to do that with every area of influence you've given us. We want your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. But Father, examine my heart and the hearts of my brothers and sisters here today. Lord, examine our hearts and see if there's any corner of our heart that we're keeping from you. And wanting our own little area of power or pleasure. And we're enslaved to those sins. Lord, help us see that. Convict us of those sins and help us repent of those sins so that we might have every inch of our heart set free by the truth of your son, Jesus Christ. Set hearts free even now as we sing our last song by the power of and truth of your son Jesus Christ and by the power of your Holy Spirit in our midst. Set people free. And thank you for sending the King of truth. In his name we pray, amen.